<laughs> Welcome back to the podcast that you've been waiting for your whole entire life. This is the Watching Up Pod, <laughs> and that's our new theme song. <laughs> that brought me to tears. <laughs> Literal tears falling from your eyes right now. Um, I'm Michelle, and thanks for being here. I'm Rachel. And thanks for being here. (laughs) (laughs) And what would you like to say to the people? Um, We're just so excited, thrilled, blessed, happy to be here living in this time in American history. (laughs) (laughs) We did it, y'all. We made it. We made it to Barbenheimer weekend. And, and oh, what a weekend it was. Oh, what a weekend it was. We will get into it more in depth later in the episode, but we just want to let everybody know we're riding high. We're back, baby. On the thrill of life. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know if we had much more to live for for a while, <laughs> but now we're back, backer than we've ever been. And yeah. Yay. There's some good good content out there right now to talk about. Yes. So much content. But before we get into that, Rach, tell me about your life, girl. <laughs> girl, you have no idea what I've been going I through. I do. I've been good. <laughs> You're like, it's fine. It's fine. Same old, same. Yeah. Um, just trying to get through, just taking it day by day, really. I see on and the trying. notes you went to a concert. I took myself to a little concert last week. What was it? Um, so here in Austin, I knew that Tears for Fears was coming. Um, and they're a band that I really like. But what's their song like, that I know? They have a few that you probably know, but everybody wants to, to rule the world. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that's the one. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, I knew they, like, I, I saw that they, like, announced a date or whatever, but it was on a Monday. And so I kept being like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to feel like going to a concert on a Monday, blah, blah, blah. I'll just wait until like the day comes and see what I can see. Mm-hmm. And so um, last Monday rolled around and I was like, you know what? I'm down. Let's see how cheap we can get to this concert. How <laughs> and cheap so, could you go? <laughs> how low I've, can you go? <laughs> I found someone who is selling their ticket and parking for Forty dollars, and so I was like, "That's sold. pretty cheap." How did you find yeah. them on Facebook? On Facebook Marketplace. Wow! And like, t- they were selling like the cheapest ones on uh, Ticketmaster were like thirty, but then it's like all the fees yeah. and then parking alone. If you just go and pay, is going to be like at least thirty dollars. So, what venue was that? Um, it was at the Moody Center, mm. which I hadn't been to before. I went there to see Katy Perry. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I had never been, but it was nice. Literally parking was horrific even with a pass. Mm-hmm. They kept like I went to this one garage and they were like, "Oh no, you're supposed to go to this other garage." And it was already like hectic getting to this one garage like, because 
everything is like blocked off and everything's one way. And so I went to this other garage and they were like, no, everyone who had passes for this garage are going to this other garage. Like, and then I went to the other garage and they were like, we're sold out. You got refunded. And I was like, I didn't pay for this, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the person who originally had the parking, I guess, got refunded. Um, but I was able to sneak my way in last minute to one garage. How? And... Just because I think it was like getting close to showtime and they were just like scanning, like they scanned it and it would like give them a bonk. But the girl who scanned mine just kind of like ignored it. And I was, like, we gave each other like a, a knowing nod. She's like, <laughs> she was like, just park anywhere, bitch. Just go in. <laughs> and I was like, thank you so much. I literally was about to like die. <laughs> just like r- go like run into oncoming traffic. Because I could not find a place <laughs> to park, um, but it was really fun. Like it, I, they sounded great. The like the place was pretty packed. Like it wasn't sold out, but there were a lot of people there. What's your favorite song uh, by them? And sing it in its entirety. My, <laughs> <laughs> my personal favorite is "Head Over Heels," and it goes. <laughs> Something happens and I've had over here. Oh, yeah. I know that one. (laughs) Why does that song remind me of that movie with Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore? Music and lyrics. Oh, because it kind of sounds like that that song that they wrote. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think of that. What's the song that they wrote? Um, Uh... <laughs> it really sounds like it. Maybe, maybe they also maybe they plagiarized. That, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I like that song. It's got to be in a movie. Um, That's probably how I know it. A lot of their songs were in Donnie Darko. Um, Oof, I haven't seen that since high school. Mad World is another one of their songs. Mm-hmm. Familiar faces, worn out oh yeah, I know that one too. Places. See, I'm the person that doesn't know a band, <laughs> but I know the songs. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I'm only gonna go if I can get there for like less than a certain amount. And then, of course, as soon as I get there, I see the merch booth, and I'm like, I'm getting a sixty dollar t shirt. <laughs> And I got like a fourteen dollar white claw. <laughs> like, yeah, this, this is the best night of my life. <laughs> Sixty dollar t shirt for Tears for Fears. Who do they think they are? <laughs> I know it was a long sleeve, oh. and it had a front and a back. Wow, I was balling. <laughs> you took yourself out on a date. It's fine. I did. Um, so that was fun. A fun little Monday night out. Mm-hmm. And then over this weekend, I went to San Antonio and I saw our parents. And I also met my friend's brand new baby. I met a baby. Shout out, Liam. Liam, if you're listening, <laughs> you're chill. This is your auntie speaking. <laughs> <laughs> And it was really fun. That's so fun. Yeah, I saw the pic. They sent me pictures of them playing pool, my parents and Rachel. And I was like, what the hell 
is I was surprised on. it was mom's idea. I was like, y'all are down to play pool? <laughs> Not that I was surprised that they would be down, but it was like we had been out for a while already. And I was like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's go. keep this party rolling. <laughs> and then uh, I played pickleball with mom and her friends, mm-hmm. Judy and Pam. And it was fun. <laughs> I love pickleball. And that's how I fell. Oh, that's how you got <laughs> your bruise. I fell leaving the court. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I pulled a Michelle and I like rolled my ankle. There's like how a dare the you? curve, <laughs> the curve in the grass, or like the sidewalk in the grass. I like rolled my ankle and fell on my You're face. Reading me to filth. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's no fun. And I do know how I that know. feels. I really, for a second, I was like in shock because I really thought I hurt my ankle, but my knee took most of the the br- the brunt. The brunt is that the word? Mm-hmm. It's the word. So I survived to live to see another day. Do you win pickleball? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I played with I I played with the um, the new kid on the block, but we did because Judy had taken. Um, she like took actual lessons from people who know the rules, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so she, we spent most of the time like learning the actual actual rules rules (laughs) to the game. We just usually make up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but it was fun. It was a nice workout. It's just too hot outside. Yeah. So we only played one game. Yeah. That is, it is too hot outside. Yeah. But it was fun. I also did some cooking, <laughs> which oh, yeah. I showed you. Casey Young I Money. Made, yeah, if y'all don't, uh, if y'all aren't aware of, is it Casey or Cassie? Oh shoot! I, I thought it was Cassie. I think it's I think it's Cassie. C A S S I E. Cassie Young Money on TikTok makes really good, like Asian kind of like traditional like takeout meals or like comfort meals that she grew up eating and she tells you how to make them and I tried out a recipe. Yeah, it's Cassie, but her her handle is Cass Young Money. Okay, Cass Young. Yeah. Right. Yeah. C-A-S-S-Y-E-U-N-G money. Her name is Cassie. And she has two point three million followers. So we're not the only ones that follow her. But we're probably not telling you anything new. <laughs> she is really good at like showing how the process and um, yeah. making it look easy. And, yeah. And it's always nice to like to like realize like it's not super it's not like super, super easy or anything, but it's like much more simple than you probably would think mm-hmm. to make those kinds of dishes. It's at home. more so just having the right ingredients. And sometimes you have to yeah. go to like the Asian grocery store to get the right yeah. ingredients. I went to the Asian grocery store. The closest one that's like a full grocery store was twenty minutes away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going. You're like anything <laughs> for this pad, see you. I had to get some Chinese broccoli and some wide noodles. Mm. I love a nice delicious. wide noodle. Yeah, they were nice and chewy and gooey. Chewy, gooey nudes. In a good way. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't sound appetizing. It does to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to. What have you been doing? Um, well, last weekend I was in Atlanta with my husband. Oh, and yeah. we went and visited family and some of his friends. He's from there. So got to meet like some of his extended family and his grandma. They live in like a town that's like like a little under two hours outside of Atlanta. And um, so it was fun to like see his roots and stuff and meet his extended family. And they were also nice and welcoming and sweet. So mm-hmm. it was really fun. And I mean, we always just love going there because there's so many little areas and shops and restaurants and places and yeah. things we like to do there. So did you do anything new? That you hadn't. Yeah, so we were we were gonna go to a Braves game, but we ended up not going to the game, but we went to like the area where the baseball field is and there's a bunch of restaurants and bars and shops like right outside the baseball field. So Mm -hmm. we just went there and like watched the game like at a bar like right next to the field and it was cool to see like all the fans and stuff like Ooh. Just yeah, people watching and um it was exciting. It felt like I don't know. I've never gone to like a baseball game in Dallas, like a Rangers game. Mm-hmm. Um but I like the atmosphere of like a live sporting event. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I hate watching baseball on TV, but I, I like yeah, going to games. We didn't really watch it. We were kind of just like chatting with our friends, but um yeah, it was like right I, before. But I mean, like, I mean, like, if you're at home, oh yeah, watching the absolutely baseball, not. It's like the most boring thing ever. They're so long. Yeah, <laughs> but I love, I love like the atmosphere at a game. No, where but like yeah, hot dogs and literally beer. <laughs> every day I drop to my knees and thank the Lord that I did not meet and fall for somebody that needs to watch baseball at home. <laughs> for real, <laughs> I dropped to my knees. Just, just praying to God. Thank you, God. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we did that and we walked around. One of my, my favorite areas is like the Pont City Market. I think I took y'all there. Mm-hmm. We walked around there like before we went to his parents one day and got like coffee and a croissant. 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 And um, found like a hat that I had been like really wanting and like just... That was probably my you favorite. You had a hat in mind? Yeah, well, I wanted, like, one of those <laughs> trucker hats, and I just uh-huh. found one that I felt like was very me. So me. I was, ex- I was excited about that. the bill. That. Yeah, <laughs> literally the bill fit. And um, <laughs> and we found I found this restaurant, like, that was right by a hotel that I, like, loved. It was really good. And we went there on a Monday night and it was like packed. Like we got the last two seats at the bar. I was like, so you know this is like a hot ticket. If what it's, kind of food? It was like Asian fusion. It was called um mm. oh gosh, what was it called? No, I'm gonna it was called Ruby Chows. Um Ruby and they Chow. had like really good cocktail menus that they like um rotate every season so they come up with like their own like cocktail menus and oh my god we had like lavender margaritas and they were so good oh my god that sounds amazing yeah I really like that place I would I would definitely go back 
And then we went to like this hookah bar next door that was like a completely different vibe. But my husband likes that to smoke hookah sometimes. So it was kind of fun. But it was funny because it was like a Monday night. So like nobody was really out. Yeah. Um, and what else? Was it as hot there as it is here? It wasn't. And everybody was like, sorry, it's so hot. I'm like, it's worse in Texas. Girl, it's harassing. I mean, it was like (laughs) 80s, 90s there, but it was not as hot as here for sure. I wanted to stop. (laughs) I'm ready for fall. Yeah. And, oh, so then we boarded Bo our dog Mm -hmm. like for the trip and he's been like I guess I talked about like how he got like injured on the pod right Mm -hmm. ever since then he was kind of like not doing great he would be kind of like you could tell he was kind of still like in pain or like limping or like uneven and just like not really himself and like depressed because of it And I don't know what they did at the vet that we boarded him at, but they started giving him some medicine. And, like, when we picked him up – and this was literally, like, two days later. It wasn't that long. When we picked him up, Uh he was, like, cured. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. He's, like, running around and jumping and excited and happy again. And we were, like, what did they do? Did they, like – did you just like when you dropped him off? Were you like, oh, he's like had an injury or something? And they were like, I think oh, I didn't go with him to drop him <laughs> off, but I think my husband, yeah, he like told them that he has been acting like himself and like, and they knew about his injury because we took him there afterwards. Oh, right. They have like his files. So I think they just like examined him and like decided he needs this medicine, which I don't even really know what it is, but. Hell yeah. It was a miracle. <laughs> I was a miracle, like, a, mir- a miracle on <laughs> miracle on, on Lover's Lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we were happy about that. And yeah, That's ever so since cool. then he's been doing fine. So did they charge you extra? I don't know. <laughs> probably, but it's none of my business. I don't know. That's it's none of my it. business. It's all. It's also funny because they gave him. They gave him a bath. Like I guess we asked them to, but um, mm-hmm. I always want to know like how much they charge to just like give him a bath because I just feel like it's worth it if it's not that much money to just be like here bathe him. Yeah. But I never can find out because my husband's like I don't know. I just paid it. I'm like, did you get a receipt? <laughs> you ask <laughs> literally <laughs> but that's still a mystery um oh, so you never figured it never out. found out how much it costs you should call them and ask i'm guessing it's less than the price of boarding him for one night which is only like 33 dollars or something so mm-hmm. i'm guessing it's worth it but i just have no idea yeah what if they were like boarding is thirty three, but a bath it's is seventy nine? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't know. <laughs> I have no uh, idea, but yeah, I'm happy that's been our healed. last week. Praise God! Praise <laughs> God! I dropped my knees. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, okay, well. Let's get into this podcast. (laughs) Let's start talking content. Let's start talking content, what we're here for. Okay. (laughs) 
Claim to fame. Claim to fame, y'all. We are on week, what, five? Five, yeah, because it was episode five of The Bachelorette, too. Um, what do we and they have switched to times. share? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They went. <laughs> we talked. They went about back that. to their regular time. Yeah, which is fine. Um, it's fine. I'm just kind of. I'm just like curious. Like what? Except last night, the, the Bachelor still came on at eight for me. Was really? it at seven for you? Uh huh. It was at it was eight, at and, then and then to claim to fame, to fame was at nine. But they didn't show claim to fame. They only showed the news. I was well, so the Bachelorette's confused. two hours though. Or I guess it came on at ten then. Oh, at ten. That's weird. I don't know. Um, maybe you were on some East Coast bullshit. Yeah, and like the Bachelorette feed kept getting cut out. Like it was like not like it cut off hmm. right at the end. That's strange. It was weird. I don't know what happened. Um but yeah, I guess my thought was just kind of like, why did you do that in the first place? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe they, they're maybe the viewers are the viewers ship is better than they expected or something for the Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, anyways, yeah, claim to fame, episode five. We've got some guesses under our belt, yeah, up our sleeves. Yeah, and like I. Don't even know what I'm going to say. I <laughs> I wasn't paying very good attention during the game. I feel like sometimes I zone out during the games. <laughs> during the telephone game? Yeah. Did I yeah. miss anything? <laughs> no. Uh, the only thing that, like, the only thing that I, like, grasped onto that I kind of, like, wanted to figure out was the funny bunny. Mm. Um, because they talked about carrot top as a potential uh like guest for olivia Mm -hmm. um which obviously they both have red hair so it's like maybe (laughs) but i just like don't know anything about him yeah me either that'd be funny um funny bunny oh but should we talk about last week where with the whole cole and shane thing yeah so cole started playing like a more like he, I didn't really know of him before the episode last week. Right. He was kind of like in the background until then, and then I was like, "He's hot." <laughs> oh, Cole is cute. Very cute. Uh, and the, apparently, him and Shane had been having kind of like a flirtation, flirtation. Yeah. going on in the house. Um, but come to at the time when it was time to guess. Um, Cole got picked as the guesser and he chose Shane. Which I can't which really blame him for because I can't either. At that point, she was the only sure thing. I was he honestly had. kind of, I was kind of like confused by everyone's reaction. I'm like, all of y'all would have done the exact same thing if you were in his position. Yeah. And he wasn't like, no one was really offering him any other like alternatives that like yeah. were made sense or were like sure. So. Obviously, if he wants to stay there, he needs to pick the person yeah. he knows. Like They were probably just trying to drudge up some drama or something, yeah. but I don't think it was, like, a huge scandal or anything. Right. She <laughs> did look surprised, though, which I was like, I mean, I would have. Girl. Yeah. It is cool, though, that she's Eddie Murphy's daughter. Uh-huh. 
He was I'm like, like, you don't I need a hundred thousand dollars like, anything. Come home, baby girl. I was like, <laughs> come home, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars, please. But he also has like <laughs> ten kids. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> is she the oldest? She She's could probably be. his favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but after that episode, we were like trying to figure out because during that episode, Cole was like, the cheese is my clue right. for my person. Right. And there was also like a, a piano. piano and a diary. A diary. The cheese. And so we were texting about it and we we're like, maybe John Legend because he kind of looks like him. Yeah. And then we we're like, but what does the cheese mean? <laughs> and then we said Chrissy Teigen's cookbook. And I said that he has a recipe for his macaroni and cheese in her cookbook, which he does. Which would make sense. Like those are the kind of obscure things that they clue right. towards, I feel but like. we were wrong. We were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was so sure too. I was like, no, that's got to be it. Yeah. Um, Ugh, but we were wrong. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that episode, Shane got out. She's Eddie Murphy's daughter. Um, oh, and we also got, we figured, we both figured out Gabriel's. Mm-hmm. I guess we should say, if it's not clear, we're spoiling <laughs> what has yeah. happened thus far. In Gabriel's related to Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon, <laughs> because he said there was a big burger, and he was like, good burger. That could be my person. But he was like, it's not Keenan or Kel, yeah. but that he was he on said Nickelodeon his related, Yeah, his relative was on Nickelodeon with Keenan and Kel. Which, obviously, the first thing you think of is all that, mm-hmm. or at least the first thing I thought of was all that. So I was like, who was in the Keenan and Kel era of all that? Uh-huh. Nick Cannon. Turns out he's he from San born Diego. In San Diego, so, so that's him. Connected the dots. <laughs> Which I don't really even like. If if I had to guess purely on like looks, I would never have guessed Nick Cannon for him. I wouldn't have either. Uh, they don't look uh-huh. alike. But he said there. He said it's his brother, right? I can't remember. I think he did. I can't remember. Um, we got Hugo's clue. Yeah, we think it's so, Jimmy Carter. I knew that I said I was like Jane should have just stuck with her guess for him because mm-hmm. But I don't think it made Do you think it made that more sense. um Chris knows it from the clue? I don't think he so. Cuz he pulled Hugo's but he's not telling anybody but he also doesn't know it. He didn't put Yeah, he didn't put it together. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's just kind of waiting to see if he can like piece it together at some point, but um Yeah. Which I think is probably smart, but and then I don't know. On this episode, Gabriel pulled Monet's clue. Yeah, and he put it together really fast. Yeah, even I paused it I before like, he said anything, and I was looking at it like, "What?" And I just, I got the first like Saturday Night Live I got, and then I was like, "What is that car doing?" I didn't. Like, I was like Saturday Sleep Satellite. <laughs> and car like I'm so dumb at first I was like date night satellite (laughs) (laughs) I'm like why am I so stupid um but yeah he like nobody ever like gets it when they're sitting in the room I feel like so it was Saturday Night Live and Curb Your Enthusiasm so from that Rachel got J.B. Smooth J.B. Smooth which I would never 
I don't think I would have ever but you, gotten there. You haven't watched Curb Your Enthusiasm? No. I just yeah. went on Google so, and I was like, there's one black person in Curb. And he was also <laughs> on Saturday Night Live. At first I was, like, I was like, how is she related to Larry David? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, J.B. Smoove, which makes sense because she looks like him. Yeah, she does. But I told you, I was like, my initial guess for Monet, just like purely based on looks, was Z-Way. Because she kind of looks like her. Yeah, too. I can see that. I love Z Um, But yeah, I mean, if you can put those clues together, they're pretty helpful. Well, it's and then hard. they were starting to zone in on like Jim Carrey because of Ace Ventura. There was a mm. new clue on the board, and it was like an Ace of Hearts with a magnifying glass, which I feel mm-hmm. like is Ace Ventura pe- detective. So mm-hmm. um, maybe. But they were thinking because there was also a bunch of pets, like they, yeah, there were little animals on the right. like dogs and stuff. And they were saying Chris, but we know Chris is is Donnie Osmond, so I feel like Maybe somebody Olivia. else is Jim Carrey, but I don't know who. Yeah, I mean, it really could only be Olivia at this point, right? Because mm-hmm. we know at least like we have a direction for everybody else. Like we know Carson's is like a race car driver. Um, so the person. Oh, JR. Oh yeah. I still don't know who his is. No. <laughs> He's an enigma. He is. He hurt himself. <laughs> but anyways. Um, oh, you said that Carson, they guessed Jeff Gordon, but you said that's not right. Yeah, because she she said it, like she somebody told her who they were thinking, and she was like, "They're wrong." Yeah, but she could have obviously been she could be that. lying. Yeah. but but I don't think she was. Like I remember thinking in the moment when it happened, I was like, "I think she's like being genuine." I kind of thought she was but, lying, but I don't know. Just because they had like the number, and somebody knew that was his number. I just. He's not that old, Jeff Gordon. But her what? Uncle? Dad. Dad? Oh, I thought it was her dad. I don't remember. See, I never can remember the... (laughs) I know. I would have to be taking extensive notes. (laughs) Like, at the (laughs) beginning, I'm like, what? You're too trying to lie It goes in one ear and out the other. Wait, who is Jeff Gordon? (laughs) I don't even know who he is. You'll know him when you see him. He is... 51. Yeah. I don't know anything about, about freaking race cars. I'm like, it could be fucking Ricky Bobby for all I know. <laughs> Dale. <laughs> I only know the name Dale. Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> Dale is prevalent in NASCAR. Dale or anything. Put Dale and then anything and they were a NASCAR driver. <laughs> And it's funny that her name is Carson. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, it's right there. <laughs> it's right there. So we never said Cole got out. Okay, yeah. They elected, who did they elect? Carson, Carson to be the guesser. And they guessed Cole was Alicia Keys and they were right. And who was he to her? Her brother. Aww. He see it seems like he's a lot younger than she is. Yeah. Um, because of the pictures they were showing. 
were really cute, but he was like a little baby and she looked like a teenager. Yeah. But it was very cute. I did not put that together. No. Yeah. When they were doing the game, I remember the keys and then I was like, okay. Keys. Alicia, Alicia, cheese, cheese, Swiss cheese, Swiss beats, Swiss beats, (laughs) which is really, that's a tough, that's a reach. If I was Cole and I like felt the cheese, I wouldn't be like, oh, that's my clue. Yeah. It's funny (laughs) that he immediately was like, that's mine. (laughs) Anyways. We'll see what happens. Do we feel like there's anybody that's kind of like in the running to win? Like, I feel like Chris could win. (sighs) I think Chris could win. Just because none. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody has said Donny Osmond yet. Nobody has get. Does anybody have his clue? Or has everyone that saw his clue left? I think Monet might have it. Okay. I think Jane was the only one who actually maybe said out loud Donny Osmond, and now she's gone. So. Right. I think everyone left is, like, too young to, like, even think about that. Yeah. Um, but I feel but, like, yeah, I feel like he could win. He seems actually like seems nobody, like he has some sort of strategy. Nobody pays attention to Olivia or really has had any, yeah. like, actual guesses for her. So that girl she's flying under the radar. She's flying under the radar. <laughs> That's probably a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabriel, I don't know if anybody thought of his because yeah. I don't think anybody like put together the good burger thing. I don't think. Right. I think they're still trying to think that he's an athlete. His is an athlete, right? It doesn't seem like anybody really took anything from that challenge. Honestly, <laughs> this season, I feel like they're not as, like, sharp <laughs> as, like, the people yeah. on the last season were. Right. Because they're, like, kind of passing over clues that they're given and not really, like, thinking too hard about mm-hmm. things um, until they're able to get people's clues from, like, the secret room or whatever. Yeah. Um, True that. Anyways, we'll see what happens next week. We'll be back for some more guesses. Oh, and did you notice on this episode, Kevin was like, I have a concert in Vegas. That was yeah. the one we I went was like, to. was it ours? I think Was so. it the one? Remember, because we saw the video of him, like, coming yeah. to it on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> we were at we that were there. show. We were there. He should have brought the whole cast. <laughs> we wouldn't. I have feel known. like I think that they both they both did a good job. I was thinking about it, and if I was Frankie, like this would legit be like a dream job, right? Yeah, it's like it's easy. It it's easy, <laughs> but they it's like they you know there are people like Jesse Palmer who do literally the bare minimum. They actually have stuff to do in this show. Mm-hmm. But it's also like it's not like it's taking. Well, their way they're allowed to interact with like the contestants is like Mm -hmm. a lot more loose. I feel like than like something like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Yeah, Um, they're allowed to kind of play with them and like make jokes and like. um, It's funny to see their like senses of humor, and um, it was funny too when they said like Alicia Keys. You could tell that Frankie was like did not see that coming or like wasn't yeah. or like couldn't get 
like he didn't know. And then when Kevin was like, have I met you? Yeah. Like he was talking to Cole. He was like, I've met you, right? And he was like, yeah. Yeah, that's, that was really <laughs> Which funny. Is funny. So. Um, yeah, I love it. I don't know. And it's also just like, I mean, if his goal is to be like a host for his career, like this is a, like this is your first job out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Go Franklin. Love it. Everyone watch Claim to Fame. Yeah, go watch it. It's so fun. It'd be fun one to binge too because. Yeah, you don't have to yeah. wait <laughs> for more challenges. All right, moving on. Um, the Bachelorette. This season is going by in the blink of an eye. Fast. Is it? It's only was it short. Episode five. It's only episode five. I guess it and must we, have been. It, we're already at hometowns. Like yeah, and we only have like five guys left. It's too fast. I don't. <laughs> it it's because and I think they also are truncating like the mental all type like like the schedule is different. I think interesting. And they I've noticed too they haven't gone overseas yet. Usually Not when yet, they get down yeah. to this few people, they've gone somewhere and they were in New Orleans. Yeah. What the hell? Why y'all everything is timelines and, and maybe, budgets for charity? Literally. And they have because this is the first season without Mike Fleiss. Mm. So maybe they're like, I don't know. They're like, let's see what you can do first before to the new producers mm. before we invest in you. It's or very whatever. interesting. It just feels, I mean, it always feels like fast to like be like, oh, we're in love now, but I'm just like Y'all have literally talked three times. Right. Like. But also, I believe them. Well, I I believe believe two of them. I believe Dotton and I believe. Joey. Joey. Yeah. I And I also believe that she has like complicated feelings for Xavier. Yeah. Yeah. But I do. um, I just. He's like not. He's not showing up the way that I hoped he would. Like, he's just not giving enough. He's not giving, but that's, like, what is frustrating her because I feel like she likes mm-hmm. – she maybe, like, likes him and needs him to give her some sort of validation. Right. which and in not. Like, um, in the amount of time that has passed, it's, like, obviously not because it's been, like, a week and a half. Right. <laughs> um, but I am obsessed with Dotton. I – if. I like cannot imagine her. They're not perfect up with together. Him. Uh, They're perfect. She has to pick man. him, and I think she will because she doesn't seem like some of the other bachelorettes. I'm like, oh, she's gonna pick the bad one, the one that's not gonna work because, like, mm-hmm. that's what we want to do sometimes. But I feel like she's yeah. like smart enough to she's not smart. do that. I know. Uh-oh. I was saying my friend came over to watch last night, and we were talking like. I would be okay. Like, it has to either be Joey or Dotton, and I would, like, be fine if she ended up with Joey, but I really, really, really want her to end up with Dotton. Yeah, I think Joey is definitely Bachelor I agree. But I loved their conversation they had about being in an interracial relationship. I loved, like, just he seems so sweet. (laughs) <laughs> I know. And I just, I don't know. I think both him and Dotton are really good at 
like she talks about how she likes words of affirmation uh, it's like mm-hmm. one of her love languages and I think they're both really good of that about that without even like thinking about it without trying like no. that's just yeah yeah I um, I'm obsessed with him oh I love them and both, she's gonna pick him and they're gonna get married and they're gonna be together forever but please, anyways please, please, please. <laughs> it's just it please. is kind of wild that it's already like every week it seemed like like four people got kicked off like a lot literally this last night's episode i felt like i was like damn literally everyone's just being chopped yeah so um i guess it was first was um who went home first well tanner and sean both went home well joey went on the first date and then tanner and sean went on the two-on-one but she didn't give out the rose right which, I don't know, them trying to bring back the two-on-one, I was like, this doesn't really work because these two guys don't really have a rivalry. It's more just like... Right, they need to be like mortal enemies right, for it to for work. It to work. <laughs> like, I was like, this is just kind of awkward. Um, yeah, and it didn't even like... It, there was basically no point because not, neither of them went home in that moment. And then they both <laughs> so, went home later, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Tanner, I don't know, like, I really feel like there were just wasn't enough time for her to get to know him. And then Sean, yeah. I just felt like was doing too much almost. Yeah. And he's only 25. I'm like, yeah. come on. When he went to her room later and was like, I'm falling in love with you. I was like, there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> because you talked you once went, and you were you wearing the, a denim vest. The boardwalk <laughs> for 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. I felt I felt felt bad but I'm like no yeah no I did not care for him um (laughs) I loved when um Brayden called him the prince charming from Shrek yes he looks just like him I was like that was a great call by Brayden that is hilarious um I felt bad for Tanner because I felt like maybe like again, it's been such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't gotten to see him, but if I feel like in a normal world, when if we had gotten to see more of him, he'd be the type that we'd be rooting for to be he bachelor. Is the quintessential bachelorette contestant. Like I feel like every single yeah. season there is somebody that's like him, looks like him. Yeah, is that archetype. Like, I can think right. of, like, five right now. So I think it's just really funny <laughs> that they always find that dude. Um, <laughs> but he seems nice. I mean, I'm not saying and they're all nice. Cute. Like, they're all just that person. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's really funny. And we've had bachelors shoved down our throats for less. I just love that, like, she, like, her top four, there's three black men. Like, I love that for I know. her. I'm like, yes, queen. Thank go God. Up. Um, I don't like Aaron. Me either. I don't know. He's very negative. Well, it was weird to me when Tanner and Xavier were talking and they were like, well, obviously Aaron's getting one. So, like, to me, I wouldn't have thought, like, that was a given. But apparently, mm-hmm. like, within the realm of, like, the house, they, like, know that they have a, a good relationship. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't really see it I don't see a like genuine connection between them but he's just always so negative about everything Mm -hmm. like he was complaining this whole episode about not getting a date in like quote-unquote his city Mm -hmm. 
which it's not apparently your city. You live it's in not Houston. His city. You're in Houston. <laughs> um, Just because you live somewhere, also, that's like me being like, this isn't my city college station. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I just don't like his complainy attitude. Yeah. Um, also, they all were kind of whining about not getting a one-on-one. And I'm like, do the math. There's not enough one-on-ones for everybody <laughs> to get one. enough one-on-one. There are a ton. I felt like there was a million dates on this last episode. <laughs> like, and then they were complaining they that Dot and got another one-on-one. I was like, yeah, she likes him. Because <laughs> she's going to marry him, okay? Fuck off. <laughs> like, let her fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there was no rose ceremony in this episode no because she just sent home because sean freaked out and went to her room and was like i love you and she's like okay you got to go you got to you go. got to go I'm let not. me walk you out into the hallway <laughs> not even all the way to the car and then tanner i guess she sent home on was that during a cocktail party I, mean, oh, I guess it was a group date i don't really know and yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, and then so the, she went and gave Xavier his rose. Yeah, so the final four are Joey, Dotton, Xavier, and Aaron. Yeah. Which I feel like, isn't that who we said was going to be final four? Uh, I think, well, we said final three was Dotton, Joey, and Xavier. I still think that. Which I hope. I hope Aaron goes home next. Yeah. Um, um, next week is Hometowns. Yeah. Looks like there's some spicy families in the mix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love to see it. Yep. I wonder who's is going to be like the toughest. I feel like Who was it? Was Aaron. it Joey's where they're like, I just want to, I just don't know if you're seeing the real Joey or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, do tell. <laughs> um. Tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> like the families are always wild. I'm like, I how are y'all going to go on TV? And I feel talk. like Dotton's family is going to be perfect. Duh. Duh. every time it's just like every time that they're on a date together it's like it's very rare yeah it's rare on the show where you're like oh i genuinely feel like they could be like each other's person like it just happened to happen in this setting but they Mm -hmm. met their person Mm -hmm. um it feels natural it feels like they fit together it's Mm -hmm. not forced I love them. And I want to know how tall he is. He's like 6'7", I think. 6'7"? I know. What? I looked it up, but I could be misremembering. That's so freaking tall. Dotton is 6'7". Wow. Which is like probably more than a foot taller than she is. Yeah. Definitely more than a foot taller. Well, that's what I was saying because like on another podcast we listened to, they said she was 5'7". And I'm yeah, like, and that, but that's then I heard, impossible. <laughs> I was listening to a different podcast where they were like, I wonder how tall she is. They looked it up and they said it said 5'3". Okay, so that like, feels m- more accurate. Yeah, I don't know. Because he's true, like looking at them next to each other. He's for sure more than a foot taller than her. Yeah. But 6'7 is like, that's like getting to the point where you walk around and people ask you if you're a basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> that's tall. It's really tall. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways. 
Yeah. Team Dotton. Per- he's the perfect man. <laughs> what can we say? Like, what, what else do you want, Charity? Maybe she, like, asked to, like, speed up this season because she already knew. I want to pick Dotton. I don't want to play around. I'm not playing around with Sean and his chin. <laughs> do you think that Brayden's going to come back again? I hope not. Somebody does come back, though, I think they showed in a preview. Sean. (laughs) He comes back in his Prince Charming outfit. (laughs) Um, What if it's Zach? No. (laughs) It's also, I guess they never really promote it until the season's over, but I'm like, I feel like we should be starting to see like Bachelor in Paradise promos soon. Yeah. When does the Golden Bachelor premiere? Did we talk about that yet? No, we haven't talked about it. Gary. They finally, after years of teasing us. Teasing and taunting. And saying, are you a senior looking for love? (laughs) They have announced the Golden Bachelor. Yes, ma'am. His name is Gary, and it's spelled Jerry. Jerry. I wish it was Jerry. Yeah, I was like, why are they saying Gary? That's not... Anyways. He's he's like 71, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's a widow-er. Yes. The contestants better be older, I'm going to write. I, they better not I be in their 40s. Are. I'm going to... I think they're above... I think they're all above 55. They better be. Yeah. <laughs> if they were young, I'd be like, fuck this noise. Um... I also was a little disappointed that they didn't start it out with a bachelorette, mm-hmm. an elderly bachelorette. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they started the bachelor first. Yeah, give us a chance to get a golden bachelorette first. That's what I'm <laughs> give screaming. the girlies a chance. <laughs> That's what I'm screaming. I'm guessing they had more applicants that were women, so yeah. they needed to. Oh yeah, they need have, more contestants. Yeah. Um, he seems nice. I like that he's like, he's not like truly a bachelor. He's just like, I fell in love and found the love of my life. And she right, if away. he was like 71, never been married, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, what the? <laughs> he's like, I'm finally ready to settle down. <laughs> I'm ready to settle down. We're like, okay, George Clooney. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so that'll be interesting. I'm like, where are they going to fit this into the programming, though? Right. If they're bringing Dancing with the Stars back to cable or back to, yeah, television. I think Golden Bachelor premieres in August. Really? That's mm. So are they doing Golden Bachelor and then oh, Bachelor wait, in we'll Paradise? premiere this fall. When does it air? Wait, announced? Okay, just this fall. Never mind. So... Paradise. Dancing with the Stars is usually late fall. Paradise when? is usually summer. This is great podcasting. Just dead, <laughs> dead <Tick-tock>, air. TikTok. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> we will we'll air Tuesday back. nights. Oh, so it's not going to be Monday and Tuesday. It's just going to be Tuesday. Oh, that's the ticket. But when? Nobody has any answers for us. <laughs> okay, well. Usually Bachelor in Paradise is like late summer, which uh, maybe like end of August, early September. Anyways. Yeah. We don't know is the answer. (laughs) (laughs) 
We have no answers for you. Stop asking. So I don't know why you're listening to this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Okay, moving on. The Bachelor cinematic universe is expanding. (laughs) Um, Yes, it is. I didn't really watch that much else besides movies, which I think we can do like a letterbox round up next pod maybe. But um, yeah. I did want to talk quickly about the new Real Housewives of New York. Okay. Because... Sorry, I just blew out the mic. <laughs> <laughs> because they have rebooted this whole franchise. so. There is a whole new cast of characters. Nobody from the original Real Housewives of New York is on this show. So I think it's a good opportunity for anybody that has been curious about the Real Housewives and wanting to get into it, but is like intimidated by the backlog of episodes. Mm-hmm. Like here, there's a fresh new one that you can just start watching and you don't need to know anything. Are you talking to me? I'm talking to you, I'm talking to anybody. Um, Because, I don't know, New York is a good franchise. It's never been my favorite, but I Mm -hmm. think now that they have, I don't want to sound like rude, but like more like modern women like to follow, I think it is going to be one of my favorites because Jenna Lyons is on this on the new reboot. I've followed her since I was in high school. I don't even know how I knew about her because obviously there wasn't social media back then, but like I just remember reading about her in like fashion magazines and being like, oh, she's the creative director for J. Crew. Like she's so cool. She's so (laughs) professional. (laughs) Yeah, she's like a career (laughs) woman to look up to. But um, she's on it, and I think she's just such an interesting person and, like, someone that's so different than really anybody that they've had on these shows before. Yeah. Um, is she is she queer? Yeah, she came out, like, I, she was talking about it on this last episode. She was, like, outed by New York, the New York Post. Because, um, uh- like, right after she had gone through a divorce – with her hu- with her ex-husband, she was, like, I guess, seen out with, like, a woman. And they, like, contacted her her work, J.Crew, mm-hmm. to be, like, you can either confirm or deny this, but we're running the story, like, basically. Damn. That's and, yeah. evil. Yeah. So she was outed by the New York Post. But, um, yeah, there's that level to it. She also has some sort of, like, genetic disorder that she talks about a lot where she doesn't have like hair like so she wears like she has her eyelash brand and she wears wigs and she has like fake teeth and stuff but um it's all very like chic and well done like I didn't know she wore (laughs) wigs like I thought that was her hair um but she talks about all that and um she's kind of a different like personality type too because she's more like I guess I guess the word is uh introverted but She's just like a different personality than I've ever seen on mm-hmm. one of these shows before. So I'm interested to see where how she handles it. Um, the other yeah. girls on the show seem like fun too. Like they're just like wild and crazy. Is um, there anyone who is like known for anything else or it's just mostly? So there's a one is named 
sigh. And I think people do know her. I didn't know her, but she's an influencer. Um, Uba is a model. I didn't know her, but she's fucking stunning. So it doesn't surprise me. Um, I don't know any of the other ones. The other few are, are just kind of like rich bitches in New York. But um, we love we love the lifestyle. <laughs> I mean, one of the other shows I love on Bravo is um, Million Dollar Listing, specifically New York. Like I watch LA too, but I like the New York one better because I just think the mm-hmm. apartments and condos and stuff are so stunning and like crazy and like – just like what a life to like have a full brownstone in Brooklyn like you know like oh my god yeah um so yeah it's like a lot of that stuff maybe maybe I'll watch it you should watch it (laughs) I recommend so far it's been good and funny and interesting so entertaining entertaining there's only two episodes out so far so Auntie Cohen's got the 411 king, king of late night fun. MC, MC. Um, From Rock TV. TV. <laughs> I, I learned that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's my plug for Roni. Beautiful. What, anything else you want to chat about content-wise? Not really. I've just been watching the same stuff. We've already talked about. Oh, I don't really remember what happened last on, and just like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> we can talk about that oh, next week. Miranda and Che broke up finally, and it was like finally. so like not exciting. It I was, was I was thinking not, while I was watching that episode because they had she had a scene with Steve. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this scene is so much better than literally anything, anything else. else that they've had with her storyline. Yeah. And I just they, never it was like some actual real Steve. emotion. Yeah, I was like, I don't yeah. understand why they did Steve so dirty. And he's right. He should get to keep the house. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we can talk about, I guess we could talk about. And just like that next week. Okay. Because the next one might be where like Aiden responds or something. Oh my God. Can you, can you, can you imagine? imagine? (laughs) Hey, stranger. Just like that, Aiden's back in our lives. (laughs) He sold his Uh, furniture business to West Elm for a pretty penny. That's what she says in the show. And that's the tea i would be emailing him too (laughs) okay so let's jump over to our barbenheimer experience experience this weekend was one for the books Um, i've only had half the experience but that's okay oh yeah i mean i'm just i kind of just mean like the box office the extravaganza box office. that yeah. is upon us we haven't seen in years unlike anything we've seen in <laughs> recent memory so it was a great weekend for the movie business um we love to see it i think Bar- both barbie and oppenheimer overperformed of what yes they thought they were going to so 
it was fun. It was just so fun to like see everybody like out at the movies and like excited yeah. and like the energy and like people dressed up for Barbie and I just right. I just love. I just love. It's like and it's like truly everyone. Like I feel like sometimes when if you're somebody who's like super into like we are, like we're super into pop culture and we're super into movies and like we consume that kind of content, mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of get blocked off in that bubble and Mm -hmm. be like these are my you know the movie people are my people Mm -hmm. and that but this weekend you like look around and you're like literally everybody like regardless of their interests movies are for everybody not just people that like obsessively watch and analyze like we do Um, yeah like the letterboxed hive yeah exactly (laughs) so it's fun to like get everyone involved and like we've said before we love like kind of a cultural moment where it feels like everyone's doing the same thing and like involved Yeah. yeah so it was it was fun and so today we're going to just give our like overall thoughts. I saw both Rachel saw Barbie and so we can kind of give our thoughts without I mean, I know a lot of people did see it opening weekend, but maybe give people a little more time before we dive into like spoiler zone. Yeah. Um, maybe I can see maybe I'll see Oppenheimer before we yeah, and yeah. like maybe I'll convince you that you might want to in this discussion. <laughs> but um yeah, what first of all, what were your overall thoughts on Barbie? A fucking manifesto <laughs> for the ages. I loved it. It was so good. It was so good. Yes. Um what was so your experience? I went, yeah, I, I went to see it. Um I saw it at Alamo Draft House on Thursday which I think was just the opening like that was the first showings of it and there were so many people there everyone was dressed up like literally everyone I saw was wearing pink mm-hmm. I wore like the only like I wear I don't own a lot of pink so I like dug a pink t-shirt out of my drawer right. and like put it on mm-hmm. um but it was so fun to see everyone like excited and people were like legit wearing like sequin dresses like they were dressed up dressed to the um, nines to the nines it was a full theater mm-hmm. um and at first like when the movie started and the first like few jokes went by i was kind of like are y'all going to be lame like are y'all going to laugh or not mm-hmm. um but then as like the more like the deeper we got into it like they were eating it up. Mm -hmm. And so I was glad about that. Like everyone was kind of on the same page. Um, And I loved it. It was so good. Okay. Yeah. So I saw it on Thursday night as well. I went with my husband who was also very excited about it. (laughs) Um, The marketing worked. Um, But yeah, same experience. Like everybody was excited. You could feel kind of like the energy in the theater. Mm Um, everybody was dressed up. I wore pink shorts. Um, I like to be very comfortable at the movies, so I'm not like going to wear like a sequin gown to the movies, but (laughs) I wore these like pink shorts that I have from Walmart that are like wind shorts. Um, and, um, I, I died. Like everybody in my theater was dying laughing, like not even just like chuckling, like like rolling and I looked over at my husband at one point he was laughing so hard (laughs) (laughs) I was like this is so fun um and I think that's like 
what she set out to do. Um, just the uh, magic, the magic of Greta. Um, <laughs> I mean, the fucking sets everything was so like well appointed and yeah the script too and we'll get obviously deeper into this like on our next episode but like when they first announced a barbie movie like freaking like two years ago or something in my Mm -hmm. head i was kind of like and it wasn't gonna be for kids like we knew that all along which is another reason i don't understand why like conservatives are like surprised because this was never going to be a movie for kids but um I was just like in my head like I don't really know how they're going to pull this off and Mm -hmm. um I think it was just so original and clever the way Mm -hmm. she weaved the story together her and Noah I guess co-wrote it but um Mm -hmm. Um, it was just, it was just different than I thought it was going to be, but in the best way. And like the movie that I kept thinking about while I was watching it, but to compare like script wise was Elf. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Because I was going to say the movie I kept thinking of was Toy Story. Uh huh. Yeah, I could see that too, but it was just like that, like we're in like pretend land and now we're going to yeah. the real world but we're not it's really like gonna over explain yeah we're not really yeah. gonna over explain like the rules <laughs> of the world or like how they get from one place to another or like how this works but you just yeah. have to like go along for the ride and that's kind of how um I felt like they pulled it off um yeah absolutely and I think that's another reason that the the marketing like served such a purpose like obviously they spent like an exorbitant amount on whatever marketing they did Mm -hmm. but it also kind of gave us like a window into what it was going to be because it was so kind of like abstract before then so it kind of like gave everyone an entry point right into like if you're going into barbie and you have no idea Uh like you're not gonna get it you know um so I feel I, like that was super important yeah I think that was my one like I and this is like the tiniest little gripe with like the rollout was like when it got down to like three weeks out two weeks out I was like oh my god okay a I lot get of it. fatigue yeah, yeah I was like I just want to see this movie already like but yeah. I also think that maybe they did give away maybe like a smidge too much like in the marketing materials and the trailers because there were some parts where but I think they also walked a fine line where I truly didn't know what the plot was going to be still walking into mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there were some parts where I'm like, I wish I hadn't seen this yet. Like, I you know, I think that the, well, I guess we don't, maybe we don't want to get into right. it. Right. Uh, I'll save it. <laughs> okay. But yeah, we'll dive more in, but I think both of us gave it four and a half. Yeah stars which I almost gave it four but I went back and edited it because I'm just like I gotta give my girl four and a half um so we highly recommend it if you're like on the fence about seeing it um take your husband take your boyfriend take I I even think take your kids like yeah there was literally nothing in it where I'm like this will scar your children Um, either they're not gonna know they're not gonna gonna go over their head or they're gonna yeah I don't think there's anything Uh, damaging in it I would yeah I would take my kids for sure yeah um 
we bow at the feet of Greta Gerwig, <laughs> like literally. Like what she's been she able to accomplish my, in her short career. She's is my insane. literal hero. She's what a fucking cool filmography she's built for yeah. herself so far. Like and she's it's not just, even forty. It's it's kind of like unmatched. Yeah. I feel like especially for a female director for but, sure. Ugh. Yeah. She is the future. She is the future. She's our millennial. We bow down to our millennial queen. But yes. um, yeah, for sure, go see it. That's our spoiler-free review. Yeah, and come back. Come back next week for in-depth in discussion. Um, and quickly, I can talk about Oppenheimer. Which yeah, tell me what you thought. I went to see it. On Saturday, I went to a matinee, which I thought was a very good decision because this movie is three hours long. Now, I will yeah. say <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised. I did not feel like this movie dragged. I did That's not good. think – I didn't feel like it was too long. Um, I saw it in at Alamo Draft House, so it wasn't in IMAX. It wasn't in 70 millimeter, which is like – how you're supposed to see it. Granted, there's only 20, I think, screens in the United States where you actually can see it like that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think I want to go see it again in IMAX and see if there is a difference in my like viewing. Wit. But honestly, like the way I saw it, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I had listened to like one of our other favorite film critics podcast about it before. Not like in depth, but just like their you know, um, their General overall thoughts. reactions. And he mm -hmm. said that it was his favorite Nolan film. Mm -hmm. And I kind of rolled my eyes when I heard that because I was like, there's no way, like, that <laughs> He's he... He's not a big, like, Nolan head either. Right, but I'm also like, I just, I was just kind of like, I just don't get how this, like, movie, like, this biopic is going to be, like, my favorite Nolan of all time. I was pleasantly surprised by his, like, the restraint he used in like the direction of this movie, because I feel like he's the type of director that often just throws a lot of ideas at the screen mm -hmm. and just hopes something sticks. And he did not do that here. And I just thought that was such like showed like some maturity in like how mm -hmm. his like craft has like progressed over the years. And I just really, really enjoyed it. Like, the acting is phenomenal. The storytelling was phenomenal. Like, I feel like Nolan movies are kind of like, I'll go in and be like, I can't wait to be, like, confused kind of thing, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> I can't wait to not know what's going on. I didn't feel like that, mm -hmm. but there was a hint of, like, sometimes, like, questioning, like, what you were seeing and where we are in the timeline and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I won't say it's, like, completely void of, like you might be a little confused at times. And I think that's on yeah. purpose. Um, but it wasn't to a point where I was like annoyed by it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it, I just learned so much because I like had mm -hmm. no frame of reference. Like I know obviously about the A-bomb and like how we dropped it on Japan and like that story, but I didn't know like any of, any of this part of history, which kind yeah. of is – Thanks, education system, but um, yeah. 
it's just, it was, it's, it's such an interesting story. There's so many interesting questions that come out of it and it sparked some like really good conversations afterwards. And like, uh-huh. I didn't think it was too like sympathetic to the character because I think there's like obviously a lot of moral questions that arise from like the subject matter. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was so well done. Like, and I think the part, and I guess we'll get into it more like next week if you decide to go see it. But the part I think people go for is like the bomb exploding, <laughs> like them doing right. the test. Like that yeah. was definitely my favorite part. Um, yeah. And, the, and there's choices he made in that scene that I think were like pretty, they were big swings and I think they worked out. So okay. Um I think you should go see it because I want to talk about it with you. <laughs> I'm definitely going to see it. It's just a matter of when. Right. Um, yeah. It just, yeah. It's not as high on my priority list as Barbie was. It was just but- kind of like mind-blowing to me that both of these movies had so much hype and I feel like they both lived up to it. Delivered. Yeah. Yeah. They both like delivered. Yeah. So, which I did not see coming. I thought at least one of them would and I thought Oppenheimer honestly when I walked in I was like I'm probably not gonna like like this yeah (laughs) and I did that's funny yeah I feel like yeah I don't know if like any Nolan based on like what I know about it it's like if if I'm gonna see any Nolan movie like it's probably gonna be this one um Mm -hmm. because I like yeah I like things that are based on true stories and like biopics and yeah, like being like you said, being able to learn stuff from it. When Tenet came out, I was like, I literally don't give a fuck. Like, I'm not seeing this. <laughs> when what came I'm not out? seeing Tenet. Oh, Tenet. Tenet. Yeah, yeah. Still my least favorite. But um, <laughs> another like funny thing was like, you know how we talked about when I when I watched Amadeus, and I was like, my dumbass thought Mozart lived like thousands of years ago. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when they show like Albert Einstein, I was like, why did I think he was like way older than this? I shit? did too. What the hell? Like <laughs> he was there with Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when they talk about like Martin Luther King and Barbara Walters and Anne Frank are all the same age. You're like, what the <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> You're like, time really is a construct. Nolan's right. Yeah. But, um, not Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy that I don't know who played him, but whoever they got to play him, like, he looks like genuinely, I'm like, you could tell me that was Einstein. I'd be like, <laughs> that looks like him. Surprise, Einstein is a <laughs> contemporary of us. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. A great movie, not a great movie, a great weekend at the movies. Let us know if you participated. Yeah. Yes, everybody. I love seeing you all go out and enjoy. Yeah. I guess we'll take a little break and then we'll come back and talk about our watching up assignments in our blockbuster mini series. See you soon. See you later. And we're back. We're talking movies. What's up, everybody? We're talking movies we hadn't seen before, and now we've seen it. And that's the real moral of this podcast. 
That's what watching up is all about. So this week, we assigned each other some Steven Spielberg films in the name of blockbuster season, the king of the blockbuster, the inventor, the man, the myth, the legend, Stevie Spielby. So... (laughs) (laughs) Sexy, can I? I'm just talking. I'm just saying <laughs> words. So, anyways, yeah, there were. There's actually in his filmography quite a few that I haven't seen. I mean, he's made like a million movies, <laughs> which is very. And we can get into it when you start talking about. It, but he's just so accomplished, and like knowing what I know now, it's just like watching his works. It's more, even more so, kind of like. How did he do that kind of yeah, uh, I was, an experience? I was um, thinking about how he's had such like distinct eras mm-hmm. because, uh, I mean, this week we both watched two of his movies that are both sci-fi films and they couldn't be like more different from each yeah, other. Yeah, they're like so different. Yeah. yeah. So I watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Rachel watched Minor. Minority Report. (laughs) (laughs) The Minority. (laughs) Minority Report. (laughs) And I think we'll begin with Tom Cruise. Mr. Cruise, Short King. Um, (laughs) One thing about Stevie Spielberg is he loves a Short King. He is a Short King. Richard Dreyfus. Tom Cruise and Steven Spielberg. It was funny. This is besides the point, but when I was watching Close Encounters, I was looking at Richard Dreyfuss and I was kind of like, I feel like him and Steven Spielberg looked very similar at that point in time. I wonder if he was just like, you look like me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure that played a part. Um, But yeah, Michelle assigned me this week Minority Report, (laughs) (laughs) which is a 2002 film Um, on Letterboxd. The synopsis says, the system is perfect until it comes after you. John Anderton is a top pre-crime cop in the late 21st century when technology can predict crimes before they're committed. But Anderton becomes the quarry when another investigator targets him for a murder charge. So this movie, the plot thickens. (laughs) This movie was very. I don't know if it's different than I expected because I don't know what I expected, but it's definitely like one of the. It falls under the category of Spielberg films that I feel like I've seen the least of. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of think of, like, War of the Worlds and um, AI and all of those that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a an entry point into that era of his movies. Um, and, yeah, I had a good time watching it. It was longer than I expected it to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we know how I feel about long yeah. movies. But, um, but it was good um so i've been watching a lot of tom cruise lately <laughs> i'm like yeah it, i feel like he's just kind of everywhere like he's inescapable these days uh-huh um and so it's always fun to see him kind of like in his earlier stuff uh just because again like just kind of like steven spielberg like he's been through so many different eras i feel like mm-hmm. um 
And I thought his performance in this movie was really good. Like I'm not, I can be kind of like hot or cold on him Mm -hmm. depending on like the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought he was really good in this one. I agree. I thought, I think this is one of his, like to me, it was one of the better things I've seen him in. Yeah, (laughs) Or seen him do. Yeah. Okay, so I guess just to kind of give, try to be, I'll try to be broad, <laughs> as we know I have trouble doing. But um, basically, this this movie takes place um, in the late 21st century, so it's kind of like a dystopian, like near future, and um, and wait, where do I start? Okay, so it opens with like a scene of this very kind of like distorted, like. Um, a scene playing out of a murder and where mm-hmm. you're kind of you like it looks very kind of like dreamlike and you're kind of like what is happening like are we actually watching this happen or like are we seeing it mm-hmm. through somebody else's eyes or like what's going on um and then we see the headquarter of this i guess department of the um law enforcement like government agency uh which Mm -hmm, is called the fed yeah yeah which is called pre-crime and we learned that basically um in washington dc they have uh this department where they can see crime before it happens Mm -hmm. and um they're able to kind of see it happen and then go intervene before it takes place in real time Mm mm-hmm and um, they do this by, uh, they have these three people that they keep in, like, goo. <laughs> They're called precogs. Mm-hmm. And um, they are the ones who can see the future, basically. Mm-hmm. And one of them in particular, her name is A- Agatha. She's the one that kind of, like, holds most of the power. And she sees the most clear visions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tom Cruise plays... Uh, Anderton, who is a a cop who views these visions and kind of like puts the pieces together, um, like based on what the precogs are seeing. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, obviously they can show them what he, what they're seeing, but he has to kind of like figure out where it's taking place. Yeah. He's almost like like a detective. Yeah. Based on like the background of like the visions and stuff like that. Um, so he he's watching this murder happen and he he can figure out where their house is that that it's taking place in and they go and fly in a spaceship and <laughs> and drop into the house mm-hmm. and stop the guy from murdering uh, the people that he murders. Um seems like a kind of small department the fact that he has to both figure it out and physically go stop yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it it feels like there are people who are specially trained Maybe like he's had like le- certain levels of training in order to be mm-hmm. good at what he does. I don't know. I was uh, also kind of like, oh, it's so convenient that this murder is taking place in the city that they're in. But right. then it was like, <laughs> I guess that's kind of like their test area. They're yeah, only, it's like, like looking there. It's almost like this is in beta and they're only doing yeah. it within Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, so they say like during the movie that it's like the safest place to live. Like the, the precogs have never been wrong about a murder. Um, and at least like the way they present it, um, they haven't been wrong. And, um, so anyways, there's a lot of, there's a scene with a lot of kind of like explanation about the process that they use to like be able to foresee these crimes 
and like there's balls that come down a chute that like read there's like a name engraved onto the balls so they know the name of the the perpetrator and the na- they know the name of the victim mm-hmm. um and it's just very interesting i really liked i feel like the conceit of it was really cool um, and the setup was pretty like well done because it was heady enough to be like what's going on at the beginning but then like clear enough to like explain yeah fully right definitely and so pretty soon after that i think maybe like the next scene after they do all the explaining um tom cruise is like doing his thing like looking at the screen and watching a murder take place and come to find out in the vision Tom Cruise is the one committing the murder. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And so he's like freaking out. He's, he's like trying to hide it from the people he's working with. And they're just kind of like, obviously we see it. <laughs> like we can see that it's you. <laughs> and, um, and all of a sudden Tom Cruise has to go on the run. Well, another thing that's interesting, sorry to interrupt, but mm-hmm. like, the fact that they go, like, stop the crime and then they arrest the person who yeah. technically hasn't really hasn't done anything yet. Hasn't committed a crime yet, yeah. So Which I thought is, that was interesting. It's a moral conundrum. Yeah, like, it's definitely yeah. some questions of <laughs> morality. Police state, yeah. And, um, yeah, why that probably wouldn't fly in the real world. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, and this whole time Colin Farrell is here and he's seemingly kind of like one of the higher-ups from uh, the federal government who's come to kind of make sure that things are uh, up to code, I guess, kind of like Mm -hmm. above board. Um, And Yeah, and he looks really hot. He's Uh, so hot. (laughs) (laughs) I remember now like being so in love with him at this like period of time. When SWAT came out, I was like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's the one. Um, But he's basically kind of like looking for holes in this whole system. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, you know, once they see that, once they see that it's um, uh, Tom Cruise committing the crime, obviously they're going to arrest him pretty much like no questions Mm -hmm. asked because, like I said, the precogs have never been wrong. So. Um, so they're gonna try to arrest him, but he goes on the run, um, and then skip ahead a little bit, basically in this world that they're living in, there's technology that can scan their eyes to kind of like track where everyone is and make sure like when they're arresting someone, they want to make sure that they have the right person so it can like check their identity through their eyes. Um, and so kind of like a, kind of like a underground way to get around that is to get an eye transplant (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah and he met that guy with no eyes he met the guy with no eyes uh, who's a drug dealer yeah yeah um so yeah there's all these this is a really hard movie to kind of like go too deep into detail about because there's all these like twists and turns and like uh, Mm -hmm. you know coming back and realizing things after the fact but um But yeah, Tom Cruise is a drug addict. We learned that his son um, was kidnapped and reported missing. Uh, He's been missing for like six years or something like that, Mm -hmm. which is basically the uh, motivating factor that made him want to become 
a cop in this uh, department. Mm-hmm. And he's like estranged from his wife. And, um, and yeah, he's like, he's struggling with like addiction. And so uh, he sees the drug dealer who has no eyes. And then after he's uh, committed this, or after he's seen committing this murder, he goes and gets an eye transplant from these like sketchy, like weird people. I lost a, I kind of like got distracted a little bit during that point. But they took his eyes out and replaced them with somebody else's eyes. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, this is like hard to explain. But where should I go from here? <laughs> this is kind of where I got to. I ha- I didn't see the end. Yeah. So basically, in this vision that they saw of him committing a murder, he's killing this man named Leo Crow. And we we don't really know why he's killing him. We don't know who Leo Crow is. Um, at some point, Tom Cruise goes back to the headquarters and he kind of steals uh, Agatha, who's the main precog. Um, and they they kind of go on the run together because she's kind of like the the key to figuring out like what's going on. Mm-hmm. So she, he takes her um, with him. And they are able to find the room where the murder takes place. And um, once they get into that room, it's there's a bed with all of these photos on it. And they're all of this man, Leo Crow, who is the man in the vision that he kills. These photos are of that man and his son and mm-hmm. Tom Cruise's son. And he's like, okay, so this is the man that's kidnapped my son. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Leo Crow comes into the room and Agatha is like begging Tom Cruise not to kill him. She's like, you're the only person who's ever like seen your future before it happens. So you can like choose not to go through with it, basically. Mm-hmm. And she's like begging him not to do it. And then come to find out this guy, Leo Crow, was paid to pretend to be the kidnapper of Tom Cruise's son because... Tom, <laughs> this is so convoluted. There's no point in going into this, honestly. Well, say how it ends, and then we can move on to, like, your thoughts. Okay, well, so basically the chief of the department, who's played by Max von Sydow, has been concealing... Is that, like, the gray hair guy? Yeah. I like him. He's been concealing the fact that these three precogs who are basically the heart of the whole operation. Like without Mm -hmm. them, they can't, uh, they can't do what they do. Mm -hmm. These three precogs are all children of, I think it's called Neuroin, the drug. They're all children Mm -hmm. of Neuroin addicts who they Mm -hmm. kind of like took away from their parents. Um, Mm -hmm. And basically being Tom Cruise is addicted to. Yeah. Uh huh. So being a child of someone who was an ad- like an active addict, um, I guess, can give you like these special powers or whatever mm-hmm. to see the future. And um, and so there was a vision earlier on that Agatha had of this woman being drowned by like someone who was in a mask so we couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. Come to find out the person drowning the woman was Max von Sydow the chief of the police Mm -hmm. and the woman being drowned was Agatha's mom. Mm. So 
Agatha's mom basically got clean and sober and she came back looking for her daughter, but they're like, mm-hmm. we're not giving her to you because we need her. And mm-hmm. so she, they had to get rid of her basically so that mm-hmm. they could keep Agatha. Um, and so, she, so Agatha, there's a, so there's basically a, the precogs are not like there of their own free will. They're right. being held there. They're being held there yeah. under kind of like, yeah, basically they're hooked up to like machines that keep them in um, in goo <laughs> and um and so there's a scene at the very end where max von Sydow's character is like getting an award and they're announcing kind of like the national they're they're going national with pre-crime basically mm-hmm. because it's done so well in in washington and um there's a scene where agatha is like watching or is like having a vision again of her mom being killed but they're able to like broadcast it onto the big screens at the party Mm -hmm. but this time when she's seeing it she's able to see who it is killing her Mm -hmm. and it's max wancito and everyone's like oh my god and so basically like outs him as a murderer yeah and they're like well we can't because it's like a switcheroo because at the beginning you think colin farrell's the antagonist and then at the end it's that guy yeah and he ends up killing colin farrell too yeah and then after that it basically just uh kind of gives like a post-mortem of uh tom cruise and his wife get back together and they she we see her pregnant with another baby and what happened to the kid does does he come back the kids yeah no the kid's uh gone he's dead i think so it never explains like if he's actually dead but he's not like he's still missing okay. Um, because that guy that he thought was the kidnapper, like wasn't actually the kidnapper. Okay. Um, and it says that pre-crime was like dissolved and um, the precogs were sent to like a remote undisclosed location where they're able to like live in peace. <laughs> so that's, I wonder if end. that's where the sun is, if he's a precog. Well, I don't know if I don't think Tom Cruise was addicted while he was a dad. Oh, okay. But now he is. Like in this when he's like living alone, depressed, he is. <laughs> <laughs> um so overall yeah. thoughts. T H O T S. T H O T S were that it was a pretty fun watch. It was a pretty like interesting story i feel Mm -hmm. like and kind of like an interesting idea Uh um i liked that they like you said they gave just enough kind of explanation without trying to over explain it or like yeah you know turn over every stone um it was just kind of like we like we're on board like we don't need to kind of know each and every crevice of how this is working (laughs) um and the one thing I didn't really like about it was kind of like the the bleached kind of look that it had. Like it was very much kind of like it was giving like a little Michael Bay like type of vibe. Did you know they actually bleached the the negatives? That's how they achieved. Did they? Yeah. Yeah, I figured that's kind of like the result that it usually gives, but I didn't love that. It just kind of like isn't it's not pleasing for me to look at (laughs) your aesthetic (laughs) not my aesthetic um but let me see what else i took some notes but 
I feel like this was like a Spielberg's Matrix. Yeah, it was giving Matrix. Um, it was the early two thousands were very consumed with people in goo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like all the sci fi movies had people in goo. In goo, yeah, that was, and again with like the bleached look, I feel like that was very much like the early 2000s sci-fi mm-hmm. vibe <laughs> mm-hmm. um it was yeah i felt like i've never seen the matrix actually but like i obviously know the vibe of it um and so i thought of that i also thought of a clockwork orange obviously during the eyeball scene mm-hmm. um colin Farrell being hot favorite um, scene my favorite scene was probably i think probably the scene where he takes Agatha into the room where he kills the guy. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just kind of very intense. Mm -hmm. Ooh, there was also this scene that was, some of it was like a little bit like spooky a little bit, but kind of more in like a thriller sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But there's a scene kind of towards the end where he takes Agatha to see his wife at her lake house where she lives. And she's like, Agatha's like walking through the house and can kind of like, see a lot of what has happened there and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and she's talking about they walk in on her just kind of like talking about what could have been of their son like what could have taken place in his life Mm -hmm. um and then all of a sudden she like stops talking and she like looks at tom cruise and she just goes run and it's like kind of scary and I was like (laughs) but I thought that the actress uh Samantha Morton who plays Agatha was like really really good yeah for some reason and I I think I kind of mentioned this when I assigned it but I I saw this movie once in high school at a sleepover with one of my friends I don't know why we watched Minority Report but when I was starting to rewatch it Today, I was like, I literally didn't remember any of this. The only thing I remembered was the girl in the goo. That was like the only (laughs) thing I could remember from the movie. And I couldn't remember the plot, anything. So, but like that, like for some reason, that visual (laughs) was burned into my brain. (laughs) Yeah. When that first, like when that first scene happened, the one that I was talking about where they're like, the distorted like murders taking place and then it cuts to her in the goo and she's like murder i was like what the <laughs> fuck is this movie? you're like in this review i watched he kept referring to the precogs as like the twins and i was like yeah the other two were twins oh but i was like well there's obviously three of them why <laughs> yeah that? it was agatha and then two guys who were twins um <laughs> Who, like, weren't as talented, obviously. (laughs) Weren't as stunning, (laughs) beautiful, talented. Yeah, Um, so I think my favorite scene was the one in the hotel room. Um, But there was also this scene where after he gets the eye transplant, um, he's supposed to keep the bandages on for a certain mm -hmm. amount of time. And if he takes them off before that time, he'll, like, be blind, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's in this, like, sketchy-ass apartment complex and um the pre-crime crops the pre-crime cops like think they know he's there so they go there and they release these spiders which basically Mm -hmm. like seek out warm bodies and scan their eyes to like 
account for them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the the um, spiders like go throughout the whole building and like scan everyone's eyes. Oh and yeah, I remember when, reading about the spiders. The yeah, spider scene. Those like they that were scene. cool. Yeah, and when he when they get to his room, he's like sunk himself into a bath of cold like ice water so that mm-hmm. they can't um, they can't detect him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he has he like runs out of breath and he has to come up, and so he has to like raise one of his bandages, one side of his bandages, to let them scan his eye. Um, so he's probably blind in that eye. <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> but that was also a cool scene, just the way it was shot. It's like shot from a bird's eye view of the apartment complex. And so it's mm-hmm. going like from room to room of like, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a room where people are having sex and there's a room where like a couple's fighting and like mm-hmm. there's a room of a mom with her children and stuff like that, which is which is fun to see. <laughs> um, taxi driver of him. Yeah, the taxi driver vibe. <laughs> Um, totally. What else? Lois Would you Smith recast any of the parts? Yeah. So we <laughs> yeah. are we <laughs> we are thinking about doing some categories for our watching up segment. George, you're gonna try and brainstorm some good ones to come up with mm-hmm. so that we can, you know, have a little fun structure to the conversation. Um but recasting a role, well, who would I recast? Um, I guess it would be better if I had time to think about it ahead of time. You don't have to. I mean, I felt like everybody was pretty good. Um, yeah. There was a guy at the beginning. He was probably in the whole movie, but I only saw the first. Let me pull it up. I can't remember the actor's name, but I knew him from Steve Harris. Um from Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Mm, oh yeah. The I husband he was in that. Yeah. And like I like when I saw him I was like, "Oh my gosh, there was like a period of time where he was in a lot of movies and I haven't seen him in a long time." Bro, we watched Diary of a Mad Black Woman so much. Mm-hmm. I remember that watching that movie favorites. like nonstop. <laughs> we would all cry. I haven't, I haven't seen it in so long though. Mhm. Um I feel like Tim Blake Nelson was kind of mm-hmm. um I could probably recast him. I don't know. He kind of seemed a little out of place. Yeah. But I don't know who would. Oh, Lois Smith. She's the yeah, one that from I think I did the, um, yeah, from Twister. <laughs> I did the <laughs> the TikTok aging filter and I literally look like her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always been your destiny. <laughs> I know. Um, okay. Well, did you give it a star rating? I did. I gave it three and a half. Woo! Yes, ma'am. Cool. Yeah. So that was Minority Report. That was Minority Report. Okay. Moving right along, we will be talking about... Close Encounters of the Third Kind from 1977, also directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, the letterboxed synopsis says, We are not alone. After an encounter with UFOs, a line worker feels undeniably drawn to an isolated area in the wilderness where something spectacular is about to happen. Ooh. Ooh. Um, so this movie stars. Director's cut. 
Yes, we could only find the director's cut, so I don't know what the theatrical release was different. I think I watched a video about it afterwards, and they said something about, like, the part with the ship in the desert wasn't in the theatrical release. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. That was, like, one of my favorite Yeah, that part like, was cool. Shots. Yeah, I think this this version that we watched, I read, was, like, Steven Spielberg's like preferred obviously it's the director's cut so. yeah but it, there were actually three versions of this that got released so this movie stars Richard Dreyfus, Francois Truffaut, Terry Garr, Melinda Dillon, Bob Balaban, J. Patrick McNamara, Warren J. Kemmerling it really is like not that many people are in this movie yeah um so we open on this film. I actually was the first scene the scene where all the toys are going off in the house. No, the first scene was them in Mexico with Bob. Bellamy. Oh right, we open the film and there's like some like researchers in like a desert, and they're all like fluttering about. Um, it's so something- windy. <laughs> it's windy. They're yelling. Something's going on. We know There's something's a language afoot. Barrier. Yeah. So basically what they're talking about is they found these um, airplanes that have been missing since, I think, the 20s or something. 40s, I think. But yeah. 40s. Um, but the airplanes are, like, in, like, the same condition. They They have the same amount of gas as when they, like, disappeared but like the pilots are nowhere to be found they didn't crash they're just like sitting there in the desert they just appeared yeah so there's that and then it's the scene in the house with a little kid is asleep and then all of a sudden barry who is really cute freaking barry freaking barry was really cute like that was a cute kid um He's asleep in his bed, and then he hears, like, his toys start to go off, and, like, every electric-slash-battery-powered thing in the house starts going off, all the lights, all the cars, all the TVs, radios, everything. Um, So he, like, walks downstairs, and he's, like, walking through all this, and then he, like, gets to the kitchen, I think, and he, like, sees something, but they don't show you what he sees, but he's, like, <laughs> he's, like, laughing, <laughs> which I feel like if I was a kid, I would be fucking terrified terrified um and then obviously he like follows whatever he sees outside and his mom then wakes up which i'm like okay i would have woken up when every single thing in the house started going honestly yeah the The whole time i was like melinda dylan what is you doing and her like the tv (laughs) in her room like like at the end of her bed is like blaring and i'm like you still didn't wake up okay (laughs) and so she sees bury the kid like outside of her bedroom window just like running into the corn (laughs) and I'm like damn she's like Barry what the (laughs) she's like what are you doing she's like not even freaking out I'm like everything in your house is going cray (laughs) okay so um she like runs and catches him but then she like somehow keeps like losing him even though he's like two and like (laughs) not that fast (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so anyways. Like, get your son under control. <laughs> there's that scene. And then um, 
I can't remember exactly, but basically what happens is Richard Dreyfuss's character is he has like three kids and a wife. And <laughs> he's actually really funny. Like some of his lines are pretty funny at the beginning, but he's just like trying to manage his household. Basically, he has like a blue collar job and is just a normal guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes out one night and he has this experience where his truck gets stopped at a railroad track. And this is like, this was the only set piece that I've ever seen from this movie. This is like what they show mm-hmm. at the Oscars. This is like the scene that everyone like Famous knows scene. from this movie. Yeah. Um, but like the railroad tracks are like shaking. Everything in his truck is like getting like whipped around and like the mailboxes are shaking. And basically you can tell there's like a UFO like hovering like right above him. Yeah. And he's like freaking out, obviously. And then all of a sudden it just goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like driving later and there's this really cool scene where they're like pulled over the side of the road. It's like the woman and Barry, the kid, these people like waiting. So they, it seems like these people already know what's going to happen. And then him and then these like three tiny like UFOs like go up the highway. Yeah. Um, which I, I kind of really liked that scene because it kind of looked retro, but didn't look silly, I guess. Yeah, totally. So basically, they've all had this, like, experience with these beings that are coming to do stuff. We don't know what yet. But eventually, Barry gets abducted because his mom refuses to watch out for him. To literally know where he is at any point in time. (laughs) So the aliens are like, okay, we'll take this one. And um, then... Richard Dreyfuss's character just kind of starts going crazy and he is obsessed with this vision he keeps having of like a mountain. It's like a butte. Mm -hmm. It's like a butte and he doesn't know where it is or anything, but he knows like he has to get there basically. And he's like driving his family insane. Um, The kids are crying. (laughs) The wife is like, stop it (laughs) i would be so mad if you brought plants and mud into my house yeah he was like throwing everything so he was like basically building this like model of like the mountain that he keeps seeing yeah and um so the wife and kids like pack up the car and she's like i'm leaving you're out of your mind and then he like basically goes and finds the mountain i don't know how Maybe he sees I'm, it on the news. Yeah, I like. I think I got distracted at that part, but he sees it on the news. Him and apparently the mom of Barry are is also having these visions. So they like find the mountain together, and then they find out that there's this whole um, government, I guess, run. I don't know if it's an experiment, but they've like set up this welcoming pad for like <laughs> whatever is coming to visit and they figured out this like song that like this tune that the the um ufos like play and to like lure them to that spot or whatever Mm -hmm. and so yeah the ufo comes and it opens up and then all the people that were missing come out including barry and he's okay (laughs) and then (laughs) 
and like the pilots, like the pilots from the plane and the sailors mm-hmm. from the ship and like everything, everyone that's been missing, mm-hmm. like was in the UFO. And then the little gray aliens come out <laughs> and they're like little kid looking aliens. Like, and, like they're like aliens. Like you would, if you, if I told you draw an alien, that's what they look like. Yeah. And, um, but they, you don't really see them very clearly, which I liked um, because it kind of leaves something to the imagination. But then Richard mm-hmm. Dreyfus's character, I guess, decides he needs to go with them. <laughs> Literally <laughs> doesn't tell leaves. his family a damn thing. <laughs> and then he leaves and mm-hmm. that's the end of the movie. Um, he also kisses Barry's mom, which I was like, yeah. that's random. Cheater. <laughs> Bad um, man. <laughs> Anyways, so I liked this movie. I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the, like I said before, I'm always like taken aback by what he's able to do. And like for 1977, I feel like these effects were just probably like unlike anything anyone had ever seen before. Um, and the ship looked really cool. Like it looked, it didn't look dated. It looked amazing. Like, at all um practical effects yeah i I heard the guy was talking about like the ship in the desert they did that with like forced perspective with like a Mm -hmm. model and i'm like that's so so cool cool because it doesn't look like that at all like yeah i don't know it just it It always blows my mind what they're able to accomplish um so that part of it i liked I thought it was lacking and we all know I'm like a script story girly. I thought it was like (laughs) lacking a little bit with the script. Um, There wasn't a lot of dialogue, to be honest, which I don't think there has to be. But also I feel like the Richard Dreyfuss character was just a little underdeveloped and I didn't really care about him or Mm -hmm. anything going on with him. So I was kind of like, I feel like it would have made more of an impact if like there was a character we were like, following or rooting for yeah I think I feel like I'm remembering in the theatrical cut there was a little bit more of him in that cut like there was I think there was a scene of him like going to work and like Mm -hmm. we got to know like what he did and like why you know there's a little bit more explanation um as to like why he was out in his truck that night you know like Mm -hmm. and things like that yeah um, so that was a little bit lacking for me, but, um, obviously I think it was probably a, a achievement of technical greatness at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I gave it, I think I gave it three stars and I think that it's interesting to like, cause I recently saw ET too, and it's interesting to like compare the two, I think. Mm-hmm. Which obviously they're very different. They're different genres. Um, one is meant to be more like heartwarming, and one's meant to be more pure sci-fi. But I think ET really like married all those things really beautifully. Where this one was kind of more, it almost felt more like a, an experiment. He was just like to see if he could do it, basically. Um, so that was my take on it. Did you notice any kind of things that might have been influences for other movies that you Oh, liked? yeah. I, we already <laughs> talked about this. Like, it was giving Nope. 
Like you could tell Jordan Peele took a lot of inspiration from this movie. And I'd heard that obviously when I saw Nope and when it came out, but Mm -hmm. watching it, I was like, oh, a lot of these sets, even like the house, the like country Mm -hmm. house, like that scene where they're in the house and uh, Barry gets abducted. Like it felt a lot like the scene where like the monsters like periading. And there were like more, I think like horror light horror yeah um, it has the makings of a horror movie but just it might be as close i don't know if spielberg's ever made like a, i don't think he's made a pure horror but um that would probably be like some of the scenes in that were probably close to what you would see in like a horror movie mm-hmm. um yes so yeah i just think it's interesting the time, like, obviously, Nope came out in 2022. This was 1977, but they mirror each other so closely. I think Nope has a better script. Um, but, like, the cinematography and the just the way they shot was very, very similar. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought that the visuals in this were really cool. Very cool. Yeah, especially very that cool. It's very cool. <laughs> uh, especially the shot of yeah, Barry's house with like it the like the sky was like so mm-hmm. cool the way that they colored it and then whenever that scene of him when he was running away into the corn when it cut mm-hmm. to like the far away shot. Mm-hmm. I was like it just looks so cool. And they also had that shot with the the government people or the scientists, I don't even know what they were, but like the guy like in front of that big screen with like the colors, like looking yeah. up into the sky. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. very similar to like Steven Yun and Nope, like yeah, looking yeah, up yeah. with like the stadium behind him. Totally. Um, yeah, it, it was very, it's, it would be a really good like double feature to watch that and then watch Nope. Mm-hmm. Totally. I like the use of like color in this where it's like it feels like chromatic like bright colors from another world uh-huh. whereas there's a lot I feel like there's a lot of alien movies that can tend to be like very kind of like what we were talking about with Minority Report like very like bleached out or like chrome mm-hmm. like silver toned and I like mm-hmm. that this one was a little bit more like colorful. It was like primary colors yeah. Yeah totally. Love, love it, Daddy Dreyfus. But you're right; like he did not give a fuck about his family. <laughs> yeah, what the hell, dude? I also saw in that review I watched that like apparently Spielberg gave like or was talking about it in an interview, and he said like at that point he didn't have any children, and yeah. if he had like if he had to go back and like remake that, he wouldn't have had like Richard Dreyfus like <laughs> leave his family. You had to have children to realize that. <laughs> Just kidding. But, um, I thought it was funny. Um, I was like, whatever. Just like, <laughs> bye. bye. <laughs> and the last person he kissed wasn't I even thought, his wife. <laughs> yeah, and I thought the, the scene with his son, like, crying at the dinner table, that the was really good. I was like, wow. Yeah, obviously Spielberg is, like, known for directing being good at directing children Mm -hmm. and even like tiny little Barry was like crying (laughs) whenever he was saying bye to the aliens and he started crying yeah it was cute but yeah I did like the the mashed potato scene yeah where his son is like 
looking at him and like, what the fuck, dad? <laughs> like, and then he's like, it's like a, it's like a certain type of cry too, where it's more like you're confused and you're like literally scared of yeah. this person that yeah, yeah that you trust so much. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Like, wow. Well. Tell us what you guys think of Minority Report and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You can reach out to us on Instagram at watchinguppod. You can email us at watchinguppod at gmail.com. And we'll Let be us back. know if you have any category ideas. Category <laughs> ideas, talk yeah. About. Yeah, we love categories. Um. And then next week, we're just going to do a deep dive on Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah. The biggest blockbuster weekend we've seen in a while. So we'll be back next time. Come back for that and do your homework. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. No, no, that's all I have to say.